This is getting out of hand. Now there are two of them. Another one. What's up? This is Too Bad to Watch. I'm Kevin. And I'm Max. And we do indeed have a two movie for you. This is Die Hard 2. Die Harder, if you will. Yes, which was not the original subtitle of the movie. That was just on the posters. And when it came to home video, it said Die Harder on the box. And people were just like, I think this is like Die Hard 2, Die Hard. So when later DVD and Blu-ray releases do call it Die Harder, sort of like how that Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie where they go back in time was just called TMNT3. But it eventually became Turtles in Time, like the video game. Yeah, for sure. Um. Yeah. No. Die Hard. Uh. Die Hard is the classic action movie, which was not Bruce Willis's first ever acting gig, but um, he had done a lot of comedies and some sitcoms. Um, and it was like some dramas. But this kickstarted him into the superstardom of being an action hero. Um, just all over the place. Uh, and it was the, and it and it was the story everyone loves. It was the every man who, you know, and this is every guy's dream, who has to, like, save everybody in the building from terrorists or from a takeover, and he's the only one who can do it. Um, hotly debated every year whether it's a Christmas movie or not. Um, and, what do you uh, say, Kevin? Do you think it's a Christmas movie? I think it is. I think it's... Um, I don't get, like, really heated about it. If people say it's not, I'm like... I. It's fine. Don't watch it then. But um, I think when people get like really adamant that it's not like White Christmas or Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street or something, I'm like, well, you know, it takes place during Christmas. There's Christmas music. There's a pregnant woman who can't get a hotel room. I mean, I could list off all the tropes. It's a Christmas movie. I think but, it's weird you know. that this is the Christmas action movie though, because it's not the only one. No, like Lethal it's... Weapon takes place on Christmas. Le- I'm pretty sure Le- the sequels do as well. Um, yeah. Invasion USA, as we called it. That <laughs> is the War on Christmas. War on movie Christmas. With Chuck Norris. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's uh, yeah, there's a lot of them. But yeah, when I I do al- always think of um a uh, Lethal Weapon cuz Lethal Weapon opens with Jingle Bell Rock and I always think of that song. I always think of that opening scene of that movie. Um but of course this, you know, Die Hard ends with Let It Snow, um which was a temp song, but they ended up using it cuz it fit. Yeah. Funnily enough. Uh so but I mean, it's got the classic lines. It's got Yippie Kaye, motherfucker. It's got Happy Trails, Hans. You know, ha ha ha. Now I have a machine gun. Um, you know everything or ho 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 rather because it's it's Santa. Christmas. <laughs> it's Christmas. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, you you know. In addition to starting Bruce Willis's action career, it was Alan Rickman's first ever movie, and like, what a way to like do your film debut as this awful, evil, menacing villain. Yeah, super also very iconic performance. Hans yeah. Gruber. Gotta love yeah. it. You got the dad from um, Family Matters, the cop. Um, Carl Winslow is in it. Um, and um, Clarence Gilliard Jr., who just died recently, who's in... Um, yes! Who's in Matlock, <laughs> as we know at yeah. our house, because we watch a lot of yeah. Matlock. Yes. Oh, the quarterback is toast! Yes. <laughs> Great performance. Yeah. 
Uh, so, with as successful an action movie as this is, it was only inevitable that they were going to make a sequel. They ended up making five of them over the years, but uh, two came out right afterwards. I think it was two years after this movie. Yeah, this movie um, was 88, two's in 1990. Yeah. And um, speaking of, like, uh, well, we'll get we'll get into some of the cameos and, like, people in it as we get into the movie, but um, this... I think they figured what worked in the first one was the Christmas theme um, and was basically all the characters in the first movie that are still alive. So they put them back into this movie and it's now the same premise, but they're in an airport. Yeah, this time we're in Washington, D.C. at Dulles International Airport, which I know is like a really... (laughs) Most people hate that airport. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and... and um, Yeah, instead of the Nagasaki Tower or whatever they're yeah, in. Yeah, the, um, what's it, the Nakatomi Tower, I think. Oh, God, what Maybe. I said was probably horribly Nagasaki. offensive. I'm... Look, it starts with an N, I don't... So, uh, yeah, um, yeah they're, they're in the airport rather than the tower. Yes, um, and it's really funny. Well, I mean, it's not funny because people were stranded, but have you noticed the last couple of days all this shit going down with Southwest... Just reminded me of the this movie where all the flights get delayed one after another or like closed. I was like, oh, interesting yeah. stuff. It's kind of cool to have a movie set in an airport in 1990 because I feel like everybody always talks about like after 9/11, like the like airport security got so much more intense. But I think that that's just a misconception people have because it was ramping up over the years. Like in this, there's clearly police and check zones and metal detectors, and it, people act like it's it used to be like in um, Dirty Harry in the '70s when he's just like you know you know is that Magnum Force that he just like it's walks into Force. the airport with yeah. a gun to well, like the, well, <laughs> just he, walks on the plane. Too. Well, he doesn't have the gun. The terrorist has the gun, but he but he's driving the. We'll have to talk about this movie because i love it but yeah he he um he beats up one of the terror no he slams the brakes on the uh on the plane throwing everybody forward and then he beats one of the guys to death and then he steals his gun and shoots one of the guys like with a crowd full of people i mean it's not that bad but you know there are there are people smoking in the airport um you can freely go around there with a gun you just can't probably bring it on the plane with you um, but yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's, 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 but it is cool to see, um, like the, the, the flight signs where it's like written, it's not written out, but it's got like those led lights that say yeah. you know, delayed and stuff. It's a nice little time capsule for the it reminds like, me of, um, like home alone too. Also, because it's yeah. like the same time period, same kind of shit. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, basically with this movie, the, it's, it's very much, um, uh, John and Holly's marriage is uh, pretty much patched up at this point. They're um, home for the holidays, or about to be home for the holidays, and they're, um, John's car gets towed by this asshole cop, and he's uh, just he's just like mad. He's calling his wife. Um, he, uh, another 90s thing, he has a pager in this movie, which is always fun to see. Uh, she reaches <laughs> yeah, him on that for sure. a couple of times. But he he calls her and he's like, look, you know, let's forget about the car. Let's rent a car. Leave the kids with your parents, you know, trying to cover up that the car got towed. But um, (laughs) being the street smart cop that he is, he and only he is able to notice like the shadiest people on the planet doing deals like right in front of everybody. 
but, but but right before they do deals, I have to mention a great scene is when um the bad guy Colonel Stewart is like doing naked tai chi, like is the most yes. evil bad guy. It looks oh, like yeah. something like fucking Hannibal Lecter would do or Patrick it's- Bateman. That's totally no Patrick Bateman. That sounds exactly like, even though it's it's a couple of years before that, but it's very much that was that was a villain trope to be like just so outlandishly weird. Like yeah, being naked or oh, um you know being like hostile, like overly hostile to your you know the underlings. Um, it's it's a very very nineties um sort of uh <laughs> sort of thing there. Um, it's uh it is funny and he's um. He's he's the guy. He's from um, he's in a lot of stuff. Um, he's he's death in the um, Bill and Ted movies, and he's in Shawshank. Yeah. Um, yeah, but he's yeah you know, he's he's good in this. And the reporters are trying to get stuff out of him, and he's like "fuck you," and he goes away. Um, and they uh, these terrorists they set up shopping at church. Um, they kill the guy who works there, and they put up their. Equipment. I like that's that's one of my. One of the better dumb lines, cheesy lines in this. And he's like, I feel like I'm going to die with this church. And he's like, you're right about that. You're right about that. that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and among the um, goons in this movie are Robert Patrick, who would go on to play the T-1000 in Terminator 2 the next year. I thought that was him. I didn't see him in the credits because he wasn't up near the top. So I think I might have just glanced over him. And if you blink, you might miss John Leguizamo as one of the terrorists. I did not as well. see him. Yeah, which is funny because the movie he just did is very much like Die Hard, the uh, Violent Night movie. Um, but yeah, no, I mean he's like he. I mean he's literally he's in the background, and then there's one shot of him like on the phone for two seconds. I mean I think it was one of his very first movies. But yeah, there too. I thought Val Kilmer was one of the terrorists, but it's just a guy that looks like him. It's not actually him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but. Uh, Yes, they set up in the in the church, and uh, John McClane notices these uh, these uh, these these uh, unsuspecting. Well, I shouldn't say unsuspecting. Very uh, very very uh, suspicious looking characters going uh, into the luggage area, and I always love this scene because it reminds me of, like Toy Story two, where you see what's going on in the luggage area, and I always think that's fascinating. Um, they have a shootout in that big room yeah that is a pretty fun scene I always wonder if that's how it actually works or if it's just like Toy Story 2 and they put all that stuff up there because I've never seen one in real life I I haven't either but um yeah you get some uh I will say um this movie has some pretty gruesome deaths as well you get the first pretty bad one um where the guy gets um the guy gets sort of flattened by um uh, by the conveyor belt, or at least his head does, and then it breaks. Yeah, and then I like the conveyor belt slowly going up to hand him the gun, and he shoots the other guy. Yeah, that's a that's a good one too. Um, we're in. Well, um, so John McClane does his thing. He loses his his badge, and he has to go to uh, Captain Lorenzo. Um, who's played by Dennis Franz, and um, this I love this guy. I love every scene this guy's in because he is the typical "I'm the fucking cop around here, and you can suck my dick." And he's just like yelling at him, and he's like, "John McClane's got a fucking problem. I found down the whole fucking airport," and he's just like screaming at him. Um, 
<laughs> and it's like, you know, you, you may have been hot shit in that first movie, but this is my pond and I'm the big fish that runs it. I liked this character, but this movie, I don't like one thing that I'll say about this movie is a lot of my gripes about it is it doesn't need to be over two hours. Oh God. No, it it's, is. it barely <laughs> breaks two hours, but it doesn't need to be actually, no, it is longer than two hours. I, I was thinking about it. They cut a lot out of it. For there's TV. a lot of side characters and there's like a couple B plots and it could really be shortened up. And this guy's in a lot of the movie, and he he was kind of annoying to me by the end of it. But I did like him at first. Yeah, he's you know they got a um, you know this movie is um, yeah I will say uh sort of right off the bat that this movie has the substance of one of those like Jean Claude Van Damme or like kickboxer movies, but is like way Which longer is than funny it needs you say to be. that because. The guy who wrote this, he also wrote the first one, I think, and he wrote Street Fighter with John claude Van Damme, and he also wrote uh, Commando and Judge Dredd. And Commando's great, because Commando's an hour and 25 minutes, and it's done. And it knows it's stupid, and it doesn't care. This movie, as you can... I mean, you got, I mean, we're recording this on video. You can't see, but both of us have the most ridiculous scene in the movie behind us. And there are some absolutely bonkers action scenes, which I like. But again, it's like there's not... I mean, Die Hard is the length that it is. And it, I mean, Die Hard might be a little longer than the second one, but it's fine because of the type of movie that it is. It's this cat and mouse game. Um, it's really suspenseful. This is a dumb action movie, and it doesn't... It, it tries to be smarter and add all these subplots and yeah this movie like you were saying knows what it is this movie knows it's silly but it still thinks it's a little more serious than it actually is and i think that it's the same level of silly as the first die hard for the most part but the side characters and side plots were just so much better and they were so much more cut dry and clean there's really only one bad guy and he's got his henchmen and, you know, John McClane's really only talking to one police officer outside. He he needs to do one objective. The, in this movie, they're kind of going here and there. And their military's involved and the police are involved. And that's like two characters that essentially... I don't want to say they could have been one, but it does make the film last longer and make it more complex than it kind of needs to be. What? It's, I mean, with the first movie, there's there's some long stretches of scenes with um, incidental characters, but I mean, there's there's a lot of, you know, there's there's some real heart to hearts with John McClane and uh, Lieutenant Al Powell, like when he's talking about how he accidentally shot a kid, and you know, he's like, I can't bring myself to pull my gun anymore. Um, you know, there's the, you know, there's the scene where the guy on coke tries to negotiate. Um, the detonators out of John McClane and he tells him to go fuck himself and then he dies. I mean, it's like a, you know, there's some, there's some great moments and you know, Holly's got a lot of great moments, um, where she's, um, either trying to save herself and everyone else. But I mean, you know, in this movie, she's stuck. She, Holly's stuck on an airplane the whole time. She has one heroic moment at the end, but I mean, it's at the very end. Um, Al Powell is a cameo. He shows up to, scan a fax and then he's out of the movie that pissed me off <laughs> i know i wanted more of him but um, just like don't have him at that point <laughs> well and and this this is because um, he literally is a character that was his entire plot point was sending a fax like 
talk about like this movie's a little bloated. Like, of course I want to see him in this, but if you're not going to actually use him, you but are just kind of adding to the runtime. It's. I mean, it would make sense if he got. I mean, it, it would be a lazy way to put him back into the movie. But if he got transferred to this airport security, at least they could have an action scene together. But like, no, he's he's just there. Or because... like maybe have him replace the radio guy, and they're going back and forth with him. Keep him in the the movie because he worked last time. Yeah, it's just ridiculous. It's you know, and, and my bigger point about this movie that I might have told you, um, but I really, you know, I I mean, since we're talking about Al being making a cameo, Dick Thornburg coincidentally is in the movie as well. Um, this movie feels like a Christmas special. This movie feels like a diehard Christmas special where we got everyone. <laughs> it really back. does. It's, and you it, know, it, I didn't know why until you said that just now. But I was thinking, there's not much more Christmas in this movie than the last one, but it feels like more of a Christmas movie. Yeah, it's and that's everyone... why. That's definitely why. Yeah, the gang's back, the the comic relief, if you want to call it that, is, you know, Dick Thornburg is, has to be on the plane with Holly, and he's like, I have a restraining order, and, you know, he's still trying to do his scumbag reporting from the sky. Um, it's, you know, John McClane literally says, how can the same shit happen to the same guy twice? Um, it's, you know, it's full, I I mean, it's, it's, it's on a bigger scale and it's even more ridiculous and it's, and look, I have a fondness for this movie. I, I watch it every time it's on cable TV because the edit is legendary because of how bad (laughs) it is. Uh, but I mean, this movie is, um, I mean, it's nowhere near the, like, later sequels, like, four and five, but, I mean, of the original three, it's, I think it's one of the, it's it's got more weak points than strong points, I must say. Yeah, I was definitely thinking one of the fatal flaw of Die Hard 2 is that Die Hard 1 (laughs) exists, and that even Die Hard 3 is better, too. Yeah. Like, once you've watched through them all, when I want to come back to them, this isn't usually the one I want to come back to. Yeah. Cuz Die Hard 3, John McTiernan came back to do um who did Die Hard 1. Um and it shows cuz that movie is fucking awesome. Uh but yeah, this this one um it it really just um I mean the plot is so much similar. I mean, we could go through it, but it's like it's parallel lines. It's John McClane, you know, can't get through to anybody. Um, but but you know what? Later in the movie, though, there's like some big plot twist. There's a like... double cross, and I didn't know it happened. <laughs> and <laughs> I watched this movie a second time, and I didn't know this double cross happened. The the bad guys at, near the end is flying in the plane with the military guy, who I guess is on the bad guys team. And I was yeah. like, oh, <laughs> yeah. I just, I didn't, it didn't concern me that much. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's just. Um, it just changes who's in the next fight scene. That's it. I mean, it's it's all it is. It's it's for them to add. You know, because John Amos is the military leader. Um, you know, from from Good Times and um, Roots and a couple other things. Um, I mean, he's been in a lot of things. I mean, now I can't name them all, but uh, yeah, he's he's the other. He's the military guy that comes in. He's like Agent Johnson from the first movie ex- unless except agent johnson if like both agent johnsons became evil at the end that's basically what happens they have a big shootout where they use blanks and um john re- <laughs> i always love this john mcclain realizes they're blanks because his aim is so good and he didn't hit the guy he's like i had him in my sights i know i did <laughs> it's, it's uh 
that's quite funny. Uh, but yeah, I mean, th- there's he a. He later proves it's blanks by just unloading a round of blanks. He, un- he unloads into Dennis Franz, and it, you know, in any normal situation, John McClane would be dead on the floor because everyone else would have shot him. And but, that like, that wouldn't do nothing. Like blanks do produce they would at least force, hit and he has like a full machine gun. Yeah, he, <laughs> he's he get- point blank from this dude. Yeah, has to be dramatic though. Got to got to get that big dramatic reveal, and that's I mean that's basically the whole like that that's when the, when you realize that John McClane has been duped, is when that happens. Um, it, look, there's it, like we said, there's a there's a bargain bin version of Al Powell where it's this guy who works under the airport and he's like, "Don't touch my records," you know. <laughs> This older, this older guy, just who he gives him the the radio. Um, I mean, let's. I mean, let's just talk about the action scenes. I mean, <laughs> the only that's... thing I remember that character <laughs> saying is, "It's like Iwo Jima." Iwo Jima, which is which is a, which is again a callback to the first movie where Agent Johnson's like, "Just like fucking Saigon," you know? Yeah. So it's it's all, but I I the action scenes are what people come for for this movie. I mean, the stories about as you know blah is it i like know, the part so the the story is they've t- the terrorists have taken over the airport and they need to get a bad guy landed and flown away somewhere else so he can yeah. be away from yeah. he's he's like a bad dictator he's yeah he's esperanto he's to immunity played by franco nero the original django and um a bunch of other different characters he was lance a lot and the movie Camelot from the sixties. You know, he's a legendary actor and he's uh yeah, he's he's the not Fidel Castro of this movie, basically. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I really I really like though when um they they flex their power at one point and they change the they have this plane land and they change the um what sea level is so it'll crash just to like show that they're not fucking around. And the plane crashes in this, there's two, look awesome. They look they, so good. I mean, this is the thing about the 90s. They probably just fucking bought some <laughs> planes just and just crashed plane them. Yeah, it's, I mean, it looks awesome. Um, both there's of them There's nothing that looks like a plane exploding, like a plane exploding, for real. <laughs> yeah. Um, it looks awesome. It looks awesome even when Bruce Willis is looking at a green screen. <laughs> Of it exploding. <laughs> it's just not even the scene behind us. I'm talking like the first one blows up and he's staring at it and there's just like But that's I mean, that's nineties movies. You can't you know can't dwell too much on that. But I yeah, no, the, the the explosions are great. Right before that first explosion there's a big fight scene in a storage room, it looks like. I don't know. An unfinished part of the airport. Um, yeah, it, I think that they were like an under construction terminal or something. It looks like there's a lot of equipment for painting. Yeah, because you got um, <laughs> you, you got another really good line where um, they're going up to um, Robert Patrick T one thousand. It's like, what do I look like to you? A sitting duck. And he shoots him in the head. And then six guys unload machine guns on him and none hit him. No. The only, <laughs> that's, only... that's one thing about the, the action in this that I actually wasn't super fond of. I I don't love when it's just guys firing machine guns and pistols back and forth and then like nothing happening at all. At yeah. least not for two hours. An hour and a half, you might have me. Two hours, yeah. too much. 
Yeah, I mean, like, and I guess you can say this about a lot of action movies, but, I mean, you know, the main bad guys are, like, trained killer terrorists. The airport security police um, or the military that comes in are, like, sharpshooters. Like, like, you know, is John McClane really the only one who can outsmart the villains? Like, I know in the original Die Hard movie, he was the only person on Resistance. I mean... He's not, like, alone in the airport. I mean, he's alone in the sense that, like, no one believes him and, you know, but, I mean, it's just, like... There's a couple sequences where he's getting shot at where it's pretty much equivalent to that scene we just saw in Death Wish 5 where (laughs) Charles Bronson (laughs) runs straight down the hallway and three guys unload machine guns on him and nothing hits him at all. Yeah, which is a good point to talk about the cockpit scene which is right behind us which is probably (laughs) the worst example of this uh general esperanza finally lands and uh you know this this is right after that big explosion and uh john mcclain follows him and is able to get the drop on him by shooting him in the shoulder and um you know getting him um uh you know subduing him and so, yeah, I got you. And then, the, you know, the whole thing was like, this man will come unmolested, don't do anything. And, yeah, so so John Clay has to hide in the cockpit of this airplane. And they lock the door from the outside so he can't get out. Uh, they unload their guns onto the cockpit. John McClane is able to completely to dodge he goes, every ah, bullet. Oh. He goes, yeah. <laughs> and so... Then they're like, how many grenades we have? Three each. Use them. And they lob nine grenades into the cockpit. And these are special minute-long fuse movie grenades. I it's Seriously. I, I, it, love, I love Bruce it, Willis's face. It looks like fucking Macaulay Culkin in Home Alone when, like, the tarantula falls down. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> There's, like, no sound coming out of his mouth, but he's just like... <laughs> It looks like that. He's just... Which, I mean, look, if grenades fell in front of me, I don't know what the fuck I'd do. But, like, it's just really funny. <laughs> it's so. really funny. So, of, but, but you know, this is... He's even good he at that. I like... I like... He's, like, good at this role for doing the, like, kind of... The, the pulpy actor who's kind of funny in that way. Oh, yeah. I mean, he can... Even if they're poorly written, the one line... I mean, he delivers one-liners. Like, he's one of those guys who can just do them just, like like an absolute champ it's wonderful so so then one of the most unbelievable parts of the movie happens where he straps himself into the seat and pulls the ejector chair and flies up into the screen um in front of you know and he goes oh shit and flies out of frame and he's like you lucky fuck it's like yeah no shit (laughs) it is really lucky you know whatever and then they, like, take him back to the base, right? <laughs> He's just still doing stuff after that. It's just... Like, you think rolling. You think the airport would have just put him in a, like, the airport jail cell or something. But they just, they're like, well, you know, thanks, but, you know, just don't do it again. <laughs> Every yeah. time. And this happens, like, four times. He goes out and does something, and they bring him back, and then they're like, well, here's the real plan. And it's... This movie could be 30 minutes shorter. I like when the military guy says, you're the wrong guy in the wrong place at the wrong time. That's fun. Story of my life. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so so as we said, the terrorists and the military are in cahoots uh, to steal this 
plane. Oh, and then part of when I should have realized that he betrayed them also is when he slits his that little boy's throat on the plane. I forgot about that. Yeah, and then that he was chooses... pretty sick. That was a it, that was a, a nicely effect. done effect. The the effects are good in this movie. I mean, we're joking about some of the green screen and stuff, but I mean, they are a lot of good special. It's mostly practical too. Yeah. So yeah, he you know the blood's like falling out of his neck. No one's reacting. John Amos is like chewing a piece of gum. <laughs> it's it's actually kind of funny, and and I think they know it's funny because they play like a little clarinet, like <laughs> <laughs> like right after it happens. Yeah, and it's and, and and like when we talk about some of those funny moments, I mean there there are some genuine like laugh parts of this movie where Bruce Willis is pretending to be the coroner and is like pretty gruesome fucking job huh and he's like pulling out the dead arm and like getting the fingerprints and he's like <laughs> this one ain't gonna make it boys I really like this the the end third or like at least the back half cause you have this explosion scene you've got a couple shootout scenes you have um, a plane explosion you've got like all of the action really in this got- part the best death in the movie which is where this guy has a knife up to John McClane's throat outside and he pulls out a giant icicle and sticks it into his eye and like breaks it off yeah and also he kicks a guy into a plane turbine I like that kill a lot too yeah that's a good one I I was starting to like you I have enough friends (laughs) that was such a lame line (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah so yeah the, the climax of this movie i can't is... believe like there was probably 15 writers in a room and we're like this is the best we can think of well you gotta you think, think of this you think it was just you think that one guy was like didn't i don't know <laughs> That's, well you, you gotta think of the lines got rejected for that i'm sure they were. i like, know you know, right you're like on the wings of an angel or some bullshit i don't know <laughs> Um, yeah, and, and and we say that because at the end of this movie, um, all hell is broken loose in the airport because Dick Thornburg also has a CV radio, and he's broadcasting the um, Dulles traffic control over the airwaves, um, basically telling everybody that terrorists have taken over the airport and everyone's fucked, and, like, there's mass chaos... Um, John McClane, there was a reporter earlier on, another side character, this reporter, Sam Coleman, who um, is ends up helping John later in the movie. She, they get in their news helicopter, and he, they let him jump on top of the wing of the plane out of the helicopter, <laughs> and, he, and he jams their, uh, he jams part of the wing so they can't fly. Uh, and yeah, and he has two fist fights on top of the wing of the plane. Uh, yeah, he fights with uh, John Amos, who is um, I, I I just don't remember this character's name, even though I've seen this movie a bunch. Uh, but he the, he's the Sergeant one Sergeant came... something. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Yeah, Sergeant. Um, yeah. Anyways, but so he he throws. Yeah, he I don't remember. So they have a fist fight. He throws him into the um into the wind turbine, and then Colonel Stewart comes out, and his Tai Chi is you know from when he's naked in the movie context clues now he's a fighter you see but it's funny though because another another pretty brutal moment is john mcclain bites his thumb off and spits it out which is really it just always makes me laugh um but yeah then yeah john mcclain falls off the wing of the airplane but not before he grabs the uh the gas so all the um all the fuel comes out 
And, like, I don't care how stupid it looks. I think it's fucking awesome. Every time I see it, he pulls out a lighter. He says, yippee Kaye, motherfucker, and throws it. And it makes a trail of fire, and it lights the plane up and blows it up spectacularly. It's quite cool. Yeah, I do like that ending. It's pretty fun. Yeah. And um, once the plane blows up, there's a long trail of fire so the other planes can safely land. Um, and we get basically the um, the five dollar version of the ending scene from the first movie, where everyone's <laughs> reunited. I mean, that's you know they the whole the you know, end the old, of the holiday special scene before the credits are all. Yeah, they play "Let It Snow" again. Um, you know they're you know Dennis Franz comes back to be like, "Did you get this parking ticket in my airport? What the hell? It's Christmas!" You know. Yeah, that's Die Hard too. That's the whole that's movie. That's Die Hard too. <laughs> uh, I know this movie very well. I just... <laughs> you know, when you say it out loud, it seems more simple than I feel like it feels like in the no, movie. They make it, it seem pretty complex. <laughs> yeah, but, but that's why it should be shorter, because they t- it takes them over two hours to get there, and it's it's really a 90-minute plot. Um, Probably less than that if you factor in the action scenes, but that's yeah, that's that. Uh, so what are you? Oh, go ahead. I was going to say specifically for how it's shot. I remember talking to you and I was like, doesn't this movie like all take place in like one scene? And I remember thinking that for some reason, I don't know why. And I think it's because the, the like lighting is so like warm and it, everything's really low light and really like the faces are really red and yellow and warm. It's, it's a strange lighting choice. Yeah. And there are a lot of different areas, but it feels kind of the if same. If they're Because when they're in the church and when they're in the tower, the, yeah, everyone's face is pink and red. And there's sort of some blue in the background. And in the opening of the movie, when they're like in the airport for the first time, it's kind of colorful. But a lot of scenes, if they're not like red and blue like that, they're very like washed out or there's snow or there's like smoke um it's, yeah it's, it's so dark out the whole time yeah. which i think i think die hard used darkness really well and it had a, a, an interesting it almost like a purplish color scheme for stuff but there were still some really colorful moments uh but well, yeah and, i mean this and being in the building too i feel like that i don't know make, makes it easier to have some actual lights yeah this this just I, I don't know. It, it, the movies always looked weird to me. Even in HD. I know we watched it on my bootleg DVD, but like even in HD, it, I mean, it doesn't look like that crisp. It's and that's I mean, and that's a lot of '90s action movies when you put them on Blu-ray. I mean, a lot of those movies were intended to be watched on a CRT television, and like, you know, they don't look great blown up in 4K. But, uh, yeah, yeah. So, would you like um, me to rate this one first, Kevin, since you picked? Yes. Yes. All right. So, for my experience with Die Hard 2 is, it's a movie they play on TV all the time, like you said, and I'd always find myself putting it on, but not really ever watching it. I think I've only seen it all the way through, like, three times ever. (laughs) And... Number one, when that comes on, I can just watch it all the way through. And same for three. And the sequels, not so much. Um, This is definitely better than those by miles. But 
I don't know. I just didn't end up loving it that much. I do love some of the stupid, ridiculous action. Um, and I do like that it hits all the, the beats again. So it's pretty good. Three stars for me. Yeah. No, that's exactly what I'm giving it. Three stars. Because it's a movie I I think it's the first Die Hard I watched. I I... I, I when when I was like the early days of YouTube, the the like ridiculous edit of the guy dubbing Bruce Willis, who's like, "Oh, this freaking Monday morning quarterback!" Like it's just awful. <laughs> and I I would always think that was funny, so I would try to catch it whenever it was on. Uh, so I did watch it a lot when I was younger, and um, definitely watched it throughout the years. But I mean, and it's a movie for that reason I want to love. But when I sit down and watch it all the way through, I mean, I feel like you. I'm like this is like. This this is really slow for such an action packed movie, um, and it looks weird. And there's a lot of uh, re- there's a lot of side characters that don't need to be there or could have been replaced with other ones. Um, I mean, I think three stars is just about where this movie belongs. I mean, it has some great action scenes, but of those first three Die Hard movies, uh, I would say one and three are way better. But yeah, I mean. I mean, it's this one's better than four, and I think every movie in existence is better than Die Hard Five. But we can talk about that movie at another time. But yeah, I give yeah. this one three stars. I think this suffers from two problems that a lot of sequels have. The first one is that it tries too much to be like the first one. It is like a clone of the first one, and when you do that, no matter how good it is, you're usually not going to enjoy it as much if you just do the exact same thing. And the other thing is it kind of jumps the shark with everything. I feel like all the explosions have to be bigger. All of the stakes have to be higher. And it just, it doesn't feel <laughs> more epic, though, for the, whatever the reason. The stakes don't even feel that much higher, though, than they did in the first one. I if mean, anything, just, less, because you know the yeah. same sh- thing's going to happen, because it's hitting the same story beats, and that's John McClane, and he's the good guy. He's not going to lose. No, of course not. And it's, and I don't know if this is in the trailers or the marketing. Well, it is, because this is Die Harder. I mean, I think when they made this movie, and like you said, a lot of sequels, they just wanted everything to be bigger, and it, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean better. Um, so... Yeah. Yeah. So that was our review of Die Hard 2. Um, Kevin, I wanted to do a... This is our our last episode before New Year's, even though we're recording it in 2023. Yeah. A very timely Christmas episode will be out soon. <laughs> um, but I wanted to do a New Year's challenge with you, Kevin. Okay. I think you and me have both um, put on a couple pounds. Yeah. And I think that either I want to try to lose, both of us lose 10 pounds in 90 days. I think it's an achievable amount of weight and an achievable amount of time. Okay. And if we can't do it, either one of us can't do it, then we both have to review Son of the Mask. I'm going to be thin as a reed. You guys can watch that bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I'm I'm down for that. I'm going to start just eating Doritos constantly to make you suffer. <laughs> My internet connection suddenly doesn't work. I'm sorry. What was that? <laughs> oh my yeah. god. Yeah. No, I'm down. I'll take you up on that. Cool. Um and then for our next episode, we're going to watch Avatar: The Way of Water. Yes, which um as many of these episodes have we done, I think this is probably the most recent sequel that we've um 
more tackling. So. Absolutely. I have we we did Hocus Pocus too. That was pretty recent, but I think that release date wise, I think we're actually catching this one a little sooner. Yeah. No. Absolutely. So um, that'll be fun. Gotta take a trip back to Pandora. All right. Bye. Bye.